Where else? Where else? It's Splash 105.5. Splash 105.5. Abi Flash on Michael. Tune in and listen everywhere you go. We educate. That's why we are respected. We inform. That's why we are loved. More music. We are the best. The Integrity Station. Splash, splash, splash. 105.5. Where else? Where else? It's Splash. 105.5. to you wherever you are listening this is splash 105.5 fm it's your integrity station welcome to economic searchlight i am lua shing omwakiola on the program today uh, i said on twitter that we will be looking in uh, the direction of election particularly election financing in nigeria uh, we'll look at the data uh, around uh, the election funding in this country particularly for 2023 election INEC's budget for 2023 election was 305 billion naira that was what they said they needed to conduct 2023 general elections in, in this country so we will look at these data for you and guess I want to break down uh, the data and ultimately what I am looking at is with the huge amount of money spent on this election would you think INEC justifies that spending so far that's the idea uh, that's what, what they call cost per registered voter index kovi do you what do you know about it and someone will be able to make sense of it for us today on the program so uh, quickly without wasting time without missing word the program director of data fight is on the line with me adenike aloba hi adenike hi good morning 
Good to have you on, on the program this morning. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Good. So let's kick off. Um, I know that your organization has done a lot of work when it comes to uh, breaking down the figures. But before we get to the breaking down of figures, Agnek uh, had a procedure, and it's also a global, global procedure, to determine what the budget for election will be. Across the world, conducting election yeah. is expensive and the cost in each country is determined by certain factors and electoral events. So I wanted to help us make sense of what INEC put into consideration in its plan for this particular budget and for this election. Some would look at structure, size of the democracy, population, um, they also look at registered voters. I understood INEC looked at 100, 100 million registered voters. Take us through how did INEC come by this budget? Okay, so I mean, I, I, would, I, I can't speak specifically for, you know, how they determined what should carry what. But it's clear, I mean, in the breakdown of, of the budget, it's clear where they put their emphasis. Uh, they put emphasis on, I mean, nine items of that budget took up um, almost 70% of the entire budget. Uh, just nine items took up 76, they took up some 6.68% of that budget. And the things that carried the biggest, uh, uh, cost item for INEC was procurement of accreditation devices for the 2023 elections. And by this, we mean the beavers. So the beavers, just procuring beavers, was 34% of INEC's budget. And then elections, logistics, movement, deployment, you know, movement of materials took up 7.5%. Um, uh, provisions for runoff was just about 8%. I mean, the biggest money item on their budget was the provision of beavers. And so it, it looked like INEC, you know, were preparing to really, you know, implement uh, this, this fantastic dream that they sold us about the power that the Beavers has in making, you know, just our elections more open, more transparent. And that was the bulk. And then, of course, provision for other things like operational vehicles, printing of results sheets, procurement of non-sensitive materials, printing of ballot paper. Nine key things, really, that took up about 76% of the budget. And I think, you know, there's a standard, the COVID standard, like you mentioned, that they use. And I think in, in real terms, the cost per person for the 2023 elections actually reduced compared to 2019. Uh, for 2023 elections, it was uh, $5.39. Against the six dollars twenty four cents that was in twenty nineteen, uh, so the per the, the the per capita cost of this election was less than twenty nineteen, but the amount, the figure itself, three hundred and five billion, uh, uh, was higher than twenty nineteen. And so, I mean, these these are the things that I make. There's a provision for runoff elections, the possibility of a runoff on on honoraria for ad hoc staff, election logistics. Uh, printing of ballot papers and all of that. And these are the things they put together uh, to come up with that figure. If you look at the breakdown of the $305 billion, uh, you see commission, secretariat, and you see some things. The biggest question mark for me was $7.43 billion for miscellaneous. And, I mean, the, the immediate question that jumped out at me is what kind of miscellaneous is $7.4 billion of the total cost of election. But yeah, this is this is 
what I next got. This is how, how they put the budget together. Yeah. That's how we arrived at the 305 billion figure. Okay. That uh, we have uh, uh, I, I, I saw your infographic on Instagram and I saw how you put, yeah. I mean, double question mark on 7.43 billion <laughs> uh, on that yeah. particular line of the budget. Maybe I should quickly even deal with that. What would you have INEC, you know, do with this kind of line of budget? Would you have wanted them to break it further down uh, instead of capturing it under uh, miscellaneous? I mean, a whopping 7.43 billion naira. Billion. So, again, it, it's when you take it and you put it in contrast with some of the other items on the list. So you have elections administration at 118.8 million. And then you have a miscellaneous of 7.3. You have a security budget of 390.5 million. And then you have a miscellaneous figure of 7.43. I mean, every anybody who does budgets, really, anybody who does budgets know that there's always a provision for miscellaneous. But why such a big figure? Why? Mm. why? So it, it would have been helpful to say, what did you anticipate? I have said it through this elections process, from uh, registration for PVCs to collection, that INEC did not do a well enough job of communication. Mm. They didn't do a well enough job mm. explaining, hey guys, what you're seeing, this is what it means. When mm -hmm. you see, oh, you saw this report in the news, this is what we're doing. And again, we're seeing it play out because now everybody's eyes is on this budget and we're asking the questions, well, this money that you spent is not correlating with the, with, with, with the, with the, 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 the administration of the elections that we saw on the 25th of February. Mm -hmm. So it's really not, the question is not whether or not you should have a miscellaneous. Everyone knows, even for, even when I'm doing small budget for uh, <laughs> the small money I take to market, there's mm -hmm. a little miscellaneous. Somewhere. Uh, something gets more expensive, mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. But if you have that high of a figure, then perhaps you want to explain a little bit to us uh, why uh, that figure is so high. But again, it's also just where we are as a country and how much attention is being paid to things like procurement, as we're seeing, because mm. nobody had... I mean, do you remember any previous election where anybody was querying INEX budget? Mm. I can't. I can. I, really, I can't. Can yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of a lot of people were not looking at INEX budget. So it could feel as if, well, nobody has asked us before, so it's fine to do what we used to do. But now everybody's attention is on the money and how much was spent. Yeah, and I, 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 yeah, I think it's a good development, really. So now that's that on, on the miscellaneous. I think I got the point. I got the idea that uh, I'd like us to look at the projection. I projected by this budget for 100 million voters. Yeah. We have about 94 million registered voters. They told us that we have about 87 million corrected the PVC. And, yeah. and then at the end of this election, we had only about 25 million people that actually participated in terms of vote cast uh, for this election. Yeah. And uh, what we had is about 25% of uh, registered voters voted in this election. Should we continue to project and yeah. plan for budget... Uh, plan our budget for election with these templates when we've had historical record of apathy? Yeah. So, so the, the, the thing is that, you know, when INEC came out and said 94 plus registered voters, INEC's register has not been cleaned since 2011. 
mm. where we started, you know, creation of PVCs and stuff like that. That register has not been... So it means, I mean, uh, someone, I mean, this is reported, reported speech, how <laughs> someone found her mother's name, her long dead mother's name on the voter's register. So it means that the very next, I mean, INEC has a lot of things ahead of them. They still have the governorship elections coming. And then after that, all the disputes will still be taken to court. But I think that the, one of the things, especially when we're thinking elections administration, outside of the politics, outside of the drama, when we're thinking elections administration, I think the very next exercise uh, INEC should do is to purge that register, is to clean. Let me not use the word purge because it sounds like strike some people out. Is to clean that register. How many people have left the country since 2011? How many people mm. have died mm. since 2011? Mm. How many people are no longer able, so to speak, to vote since 2011? So if that's the figure with which we're projecting the amount of money that we're going to... And again, historically, since uh, 1999, voter turnout has consistently reduced. Since 1999. Voter turnout has consistently reduced. And there are some arguments about the current calculation of voter turnout, and there are some conversations around how, uh, uh, yeah, voter suppression and all of that. But the reality is that Nigeria's 2023 presidential election had 27.05% turnout. How much change should we be collecting from INEC from that $100 billion that they, that they plan to use for elections. So these estimations, aside from the fact that, yes, I mean, it's not every time you're going to, like, do a count and then, you know, plan based on that. This estimation is based off of very, very problematic data. And so I think the... Clean it Clean it properly. But really know how many eligible voters we have in the country. Then when you come back and tell us Oh, you have budgeted, budgeted 100, uh, for 100 million voters. We can say, yeah, we understand because this is what the register is. But as long as that register is not cleaned, we have a problem. We have a problem. All right. Th- th- thank you. I mean, um, so one major thing that INEC will do going forward, as you suggested, is to clean the register. Maybe I prefer purge than to just do the work. The clean seems to be mild. I think purging will probably be, for me, better in terms of a choice of word to use for it. So that we can have a realistic, uh, you know, a workable uh, register that we can plan for. Other, because there are many ways we have been wasting a lot of funds in this style of budgeting. I'm looking at, we planned for runoff. We didn't have runoff. Runoff didn't happen right now. We planned for every registered voter. And has there been a time where INEC returned the change, as they call it, quote-unquote, to the coffer, (laughs) uh, you know, of government? So, so, I mean, I don't recall INEC I don't know the cashback process for INEC. It will be interesting to see, to hear them return change, though, because this is a far, far... You can't budget for uh, 100 million and have 24 million people actually vote. That's, that's about a quarter. 
So that's actually a lot of, you know, but I mean, they can say that, well, their estimation, they procured for that estimation and they spent money for that estimation. So again, I guess when it comes to readjusting Nigeria's spending habits, these are some of the things we also have to look at to say, how do we begin to work as a country with proper data so that we don't waste so much? Because that's a quarter of the plan. And they would say, for instance, they would say they printed ballot papers for 100 million people. They would say they printed um, the purchased beavers that would serve 100 million people. But that's not the reality because whatever they purchased served a quarter of the people. I don't know what the cashback process is for INEC. Um, typically, with governance and, uh, and Nigeria's administration, or, or, I mean, the country's administration processes, uh, we typically don't know, except you're keen and you're interrogating and you're looking at audit reports and you're looking at, you know, state procure, I mean, procurements across our saddles, that's really when you will begin to see cashbacks and how much was cashback. But that process is not transparent as of today. We don't know if, you know, INEC is going to cashback some of that $305 billion that they have spent on, on this election. It will be interesting to, to have that process or for us to even, even try to pursue and see whether maybe even this year, or this election, after, the, after all yeah. is said and done, and see whether we can tr- track back and see how much was yeah. indeed spent, how much can we account for as wastage, as it were, if we can, yeah. and, and how much should we be planning for in the next, in the next tranche of e- election. The reason for me is that yeah. Nigeria needs to block wastage, and this is one of a major situation where we Absolutely. need because because the funding for INEC is a first line charge, and usually when they ask for yeah. A, they get A. When they ask for ABC, they get ABC because of the importance of yeah. election, you know, to a democracy. And so, yeah. such a process should be so, so such yeah. a transparent yeah, uh, process. Uh, so let's 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 look at the. The the figures in these uh, yeah. in these budget as it were. Look at the budget for uh, for publicity yeah. for voter education. Do you think is adequate? And in, in your estimation, do you think INEC actually did that publicity and voter education adequately? So, I mean, again, uh, except that they can give us some kind of documentation, some kind of uh, uh, thing to help us track because these are procurement items as well, you yeah. know, you know, loosely because you're not necessarily buying battery or something like that. But it is kind of questionable. It is questionable because of how much knowledge. And you can see from the questions people started asking mm. through the process. Mm. I mean, I was I was on radio uh, at some point in the last one week, and someone was saying, "Yeah, that um, they told, they heard, or they know that you can actually vote on beavers, uh, and that your vote will be counted without your on without your card. Yeah, without necessarily using a a, a, a ballot paper. You know, there was so much." unknown that they had the opportunity to talk about. The question of security around elections was a question a lot of people were asking, especially in the Southeast. It was a qu- and so they had an opportunity to say, hey, guys, this is what we have planned to do this. This is how we have planned to do this. This is the engagement and this is the conversation we're having at this level. So really, when they say they spent uh, 2.24 billion, yes. On voter education, yeah, and publicity. It, 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 I mean, it, what the reality on ground today, 
makes you question how did you exactly spend this money mm-hmm. i recall that during the campaign period i was on uh, on uh, on a program with an INEC person from I think Cross River or something and I was asking the question where, where is, what are you guys doing are you guys engaging enough with the media with all the infrastructure of transparency which is the civic, the, the civil society, how deep is this engagement, is there something that is going on that you can proactively disclose mm. and say guys we're making this move we're announcing it this way, we trust you because you have an audience, you know how you communicate to them, and we asked the question everybody is asking the question about NOA and his response was oh yeah they have partnerships with the NOA but I mean you can do a poll on your, on your show and ask how many people heard any message that was sponsored by the right. NOA my, concerning my, this election? My, I know I, I yes. don't recall any. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even, even, even so by... Really even, is, I was even asking a general manager of a radio station yesterday if, I mean, like two or three of them, and I was asking, how much did you get from INEC for publicity or for voter education? No, nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. That, that was the answer yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, it begs the question: What publicity at 2.24 billion? What what publicity? Mm. Where was it? Are you talking about the press releases that you put out that you don't explain? Do you know how much anger when they came out and they said, "Oh, they removed 2.1 million people from the register"? Whereas what had happened was the normal, regular process that should happen after a registration process, which was you look at it, you remove underage voting, you remove double registration, you do all of that, which they could have benefited from coming out and explaining and explaining. Get on radio, send your your state. Hello. Hello, yes, I'm with you. Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you. Send the regs, I mean, send the uh, representatives on radio and television, yes. Hello? And explain what is going on. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing this. Don't panic. Whatever you see, this is... But we didn't see that happen. And again, it's playing out. It's playing out with all the questions that are around elections and people are saying they, they told us not to upload. They told us where is the and again, look, I'm not campaigning for INEC and I'm not attempting to excuse uh, whatever it is they have done wrong in the presidential elections. But again, I'm questioning where is your communications infrastructure? to begin to counter some of the fake news that we've seen, or even to begin to attempt to explain, oh, this is what we did. Oh, this is how we were doing it. Oh, is that a question you have? Well, this is how we're answering it. It's either they don't understand what voter education and publicity means, or that they're just being, they're just doing well, they can't do anything to us. And I think the Nigerian people are showing them that there's a lot we can do. There's a lot. There's another angle that I want us to look at. The angle of, if you if you look at the a lot of criticism around this election, one one major criticism is about logistics, and it was yeah. major. Yeah, uh, I had budgets for logistics for training of ad hoc staff. That's another area of you know complaints about this election. What was was the budget justified for it? <laughs> So again, um, when I look at the percentage of the money of the budget that was committed to logistics, uh, it was 23 billion committed to logistics. And um, even for me, I mean, I don't have businesses in 36 states of the Federation. Talk much less of 774 local government. Talk very, very much less of 176,000 plus polling units. Mm-hmm. You know. 
And that logistics, movement, deployment, and retrieval of men and materials for election, that logistics was just 7.5% of their budget. And we, I mean, it was obvious. It was obvious. There were areas where there's no excuse for INEC to be coming at 2 p.m. to a polling booth. If you live in the FCT, there is no two-hour distance within the FCT. That's that's just that's just the truth. There's no two-hour within the FCT. There's no two-hour distance. But aside from regions like that, you you begin to it showed when they were going to when when you're going to riverine areas regions where you have to get there first. It takes two hours to get the, to the village. Then you have to do a boat ride for two hours, and you're questioning and wondering. Okay, first, if you spend twenty-three billion, how? What was the logistics provisions that was that were made? If you spend 23 billion, but again, was seven percent of your budget for logistics? Did it really make a lot of sense? Considering that Nigeria's inflation, did they factor in inflation into this plan? Did they raise it? Because we saw what happened. I mean, we know what has been happening with inflation, uh, double-digit inflation figures that has continued to rise even up until now. Uh, we know what's been happening, but we also know what had happened one month to this election, two weeks. To this election look coppers are complaining i have i mean we've been speaking to coppers just to get a sense again it's 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 sustaining the heat around coverage of elections and its logistics and coppers are saying they received two thousand naira that was their mobilization to go to their pus where they were supposed to be working as uh officers of ad hoc officers of INEC. so again you it makes you wonder look you can call all this big money, but if you're not going to be quite open and transparent about what logistics, I mean, and we know all the drama around going to court, attempting to use somebody for logistics, and that didn't pan out, and attempting to, attempting to, you know, all of that drama. And there was still no, who had clarity? I don't know, perhaps I wasn't paying enough attention, but did anyone have clarity around how INEC was going to be carrying out logistics for these elections post that court judgment? No communication. We had no idea. So here you are, you're spending $23 billion and everybody's saying, I mean, you know, someone with a small business will probably plan logistics better. And then we have the case of Beaver's malfunction as a result of Nigerians have said there were officers who were saying, no, they don't know how to upload or, you know, it's not working. They don't know one thing. And you're questioning, okay, what training, what's the level of training that was done for these people? How long was that training? Did they get a chance to, you know, work with the beavers before they were deployed? Uh, of course, what, what were the worst cases? I know that INEC ran a, a test for beavers operations for elections uh, before the elections. I think mm. about a month before the elections. And beavers functioned optimally at over 90%. Mm. Mm. But the question is, this is functioning 90% with no pressure, with no no concerns, with no uh, no challenges, no issues of unrest where maybe the Beaver's machine had been on for a while. So what were the logistic plans for making sure? What were the backups, mm. you know, that were set up to make sure that all of this... It, there are a lot of questions that INEC needs to answer. Yes, Listen, also. personally, I can't say... Take 305 billion, throw it in the gutter, and start all over again. Nigeria cannot afford it. Mm-mm. That's the reality. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nigeria Mm-mm. cannot afford it. No. no. But they do have questions to answer. They have to explain certain things. And, and, and this is my challenge to Nigerians. Yes, 
we're, we're, I mean, people, we have party, and this is my party, this is my candidate, and all of that. But we better get above that noise, or while we're making the noise, have enough energy to begin to do the proper, you know, to engage in democracy in a more sustainable way. And engaging in democracy in a more sustainable way is paying attention to this kind of thing. Is that the amount of noise we are making about, no, they stole our votes, they didn't steal it, they took it. We should be making to, look, whatever is going on, this cannot repeat on March 11. Whatever is going on, you need to begin to explain to us what your plans are. And I think we need to pay as much attention. Otherwise, this is how we're going to be crying after March 11. And then March 11 is going to come and go. And in the next four years, they are going to bring a 400 billion budget or a 500 billion budget. And nobody is going to query, nobody is going to question until the elections is done and we're back again. Saying, how can you budget this for ICT and this is going on? How can you budget for logistics? And it's, it's almost, the milk has been spilled. It can't be packed back. <laughs> I so can't can keep crying over it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can't keep crying. Yeah. Okay, so um, I, I, I like us to round off the thoughts here, even though uh, I say I have a number of questions, but because of time, <laughs> I, I like us to round off the thought here. So moving into the next election, by we can't be talking about the budget anymore, uh, but yeah. what, what are the things that you think INEC should be thinking about when we are done with this general election in terms of having a better, uh, you know, a better functional budget and and uh, you know a, a sustainable one first thing for me is that this budget for election logistics seems to be meager and that it should be working on a better absolutely. budget yes absolutely absolutely so those are the things that uh, i mean as we begin to pay more attention to INEX budget and i mean if we if if there had been a lot more noise around INEX budgeting i mean we did the work. So the data fights did the analysis. Hey, this is what INEC is budgeting. But if there had been a lot more noise around how they budgeted, perhaps there's some things that could have been affected. So the very first assignment is you can't come in four years' time and tell us you are doing a budget for 100 million voters if you do not clean those registers. They absolutely have to be clean. That is the basis on which you can say in terms of it, even for logistics. So knowing how many people you are preparing for, from haddock staff to logistics to ballot paper to procurement, every layer of their logistics, every layer of their budgeting and planning relies, ver the very first rock on which it relies is the number of people who are going to be needing it. So the very first assignment for INEC is to clean those registers. Let us know the actual number of people that are registered to vote in this country. Let us know. Let's remove the people that are dead, the people that have... The, the, I mean, let's, let's clean this register. The people that have migrated from the country, the people that are no longer... Let's clean this register. Because what will happen is that by 2027... Do you know how many people would have reached voting age by that time? So simply adding on that number to the 100 million that they plan for will simply get them to say, oh, now they're planning for 150 million. And then let the data of voter turnout, let it also, how will you use that data to guide your planning? Because there is no business where you think, I invest now, I'm going to get a 100% return. So even if there's a lot of drive around voter engagement, come out and vote, there sh data should be able to guide 
based on this amount of work, based on who we had, the number of registered voters, based on voter turnout in previous elections, we can expect a 25% increase on turnout. We can expect a 35% increase on turnout. If data doesn't begin to seriously, conscientiously guide our planning, especially around how we're spending our country's money, we all Kukuma know how much we owe. So, so what, what we'll be doing is to be wasting, we'll be wasting what is not there. That, that's it. We're wasting what is not there. We're borrowing for this waste. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'd like to thank you, Adenike Aloba, for this engaging moment. I appreciate every second of it. And thank you for being with us. I hope that when next we call on you, you oblige. Absolutely, I'll be happy to come back. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That was the the director, uh, program director for Data Fight on the program today. Thank you so much. We'll take this break. I'll return soon. Stay with us. Hey, Omo! See package! This is what I call Full House. Yes, sir. That's me. I full huh? Who's talking about you? I'm talking about this peak yogurt drink full house pack in your hand. Introducing the peak yogurt drink one liter full house pack with more refreshment, which contains fresh cow milk. Share and enjoy full house goodness filled with essential vitamins and minerals. Oh yeah, beg. Give me my peak yogurt drink full house pack. Avi, is it your own? <laughs> peak. Reach for your peak. Catch your, your favorite shows live on Facebook. You can watch your favorite presenters and listen to your favorite programs on our Facebook page every day. Go to Splash FM 105.5 on Facebook, like our page, and get updates when your favorite program is streaming. Oh no, my line has been barred. Not to worry. Link your NIN and unbar your Nine Mobile line with ease. Dial star 996 hash and select option 2. Or visit 9mobile.com.ng forward slash NIN. You also get up to 20K for calls and up to 20 gig data when you link your line. If you are yet to enroll your NIN, please visit any Nine Mobile Experience Center now. <gasps> Remember, dial star 996 hash, select option 2, or visit 9mobile.com.ng forward slash NIN now. Nine Mobile. Here you go, dear. Mom, you didn't add milk. No need to. Taste it and see why. Wow, but how? <laughs> Is it milky? Very. Is it creamy? Yes. That's Milo 3 in 1 milky and creamy for you. It's so milky. I don't need to add more milk. I love it, mommy. Give your kids the new Milo 3 in 1 milky and creamy. It's truly milky. It contains calcium to help your champ win every day. Milo, energy to go further. Milo! Let's take it way back, way back, to songs that turned boys to men and girls to women. Join your luminary DJ Eden as it takes you through sounds from the 70s, the 80s, New Jack Swing, High Life, and Juju. Luminary DJ Eden on the mix. Tune in to Splash FM 105.5 every Sunday by 6.30 p.m. And let's vibe to the oldest like never before. Like never before. I've got a rhythm, child. 
Thank you for being there with us on Splash 105.5 FM. It's your integrity station. I'll be speaking with Catherine uh, from Africa Check in a moment. Hello, Catherine. Are you there with me? Yes, good morning. Good morning, Catherine. How are you doing today? I'm well. How about you? Very well. Thank you for asking. And so let's get on our issue for today. Uh, onions, bitter leaf, and onion mix wound cure type 1 and 2 diabetes. We're back to our mixture. <laughs> so, That's right. so tell me about this mixture and... Uh, I mean, take, take me through this story. This was done. You did this story. It's, uh, you know. Uh, Hello, Catherine. Yes, I, I did this story. Okay, this so story. tell me about this story. So Catherine. just like every other, every other concussion, we. Okay. Yeah. So just like, um, you know, we see a lot of health misinformation on social media. And uh, Facebook especially is very notorious for this. So I found the claim online and it's saying that um, a mixture of onions, bitter leaf and honey can cure type 1 and type 2 diabetes. And then you know, uh, a lot of people have interacted with this post. And in fact, this post went ahead to say that it is an 100% cure, which <laughs> even makes it, uh, you know, you know a, a serious issue for mm. someone to come online and, you know, say categorically that something is an 100% cure of a particular um, disease. And, you know, from my from my research, um, you know, type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes are two different cases. They are not the same and they are not treated with the same um, medication or injectables. So and I, the question we posed was that could a simple homemade mixture actually cure diabetes, either type 1 or type 2. And then in our research, we found out that diabetes has no cure. It can only be managed. Mm. So um, um, the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention have said that, okay, um, type 2 diabetes is common in people who are over 45 years old. But then, you know, more children, teenagers, and young adults uh, are beginning to develop this disease. And then, you know, there are risk factors that could, um, you know, make people have type 1 or type 2 diabetes. And then we proceeded to ask, uh, you know, an endocrinologist uh, at the University of Benin that, uh, is this claim actually correct? And she said that at this point, that there is no cure for diabetes, either type 1 or type 2. The conditions can only be managed either with dietary restrictions or modification or with, um, you know, asking people to take more balanced diet to actually control their sugar levels and then you know there are a range of medications that are used that can manage this um this uh, condition either through tablets or injectables but then our, our firm uh answer to this question is that diabetes has no cure so if mm. anybody is coming online to say oh the cure for diabetes you should you shouldn't um uh, take this you should take um and uh this medication you should not take your anti-diabetic medications, but take this concussion is only lying to you. And then, you know, when, when I discussed further with uh, this professor, she said in her practice that, uh, you know, they have this challenge where people come to the hospital and after they've been given diagnosis, uh, maybe um, either type 1 or type 2 diabetes, then they go away 
they go ahead to go and explore so many things just like these concussions that we're talking about today. And then when their health becomes really, really critical, when their health has deteriorated to the point where, you know, they now come back to the hospital. But then at that at that stage, the disease had gone far and then they might there might be little to nothing to actually help them with at that point. So this then is actually false and in fact should be disregarded. Mm. It is completely false. false. And like every other concussions we've seen online claiming that it can treat diabetes, type one and type two diabetes, it is false. So I, I would also like to reiterate the fact today that diabetes has no cure. It can only be managed with medications, dietary changes and you know uh, lifestyle changes in general. Mm. So the knowledge that it has no cure, it has no known cure now, is very important yeah. for people so that you don't get swindled by these um, these guys that mix a lot of things together. Uh, that, why do yeah. we why do we put trust in these mixtures most of the times? Um, you know, um, these days um, maybe because of people think that when someone comes online. When someone even tells you they are a um, health practitioner, they are a doctor, people just take their word for it. Maybe out of maybe trusting them that, oh, if this person says the doctor, then he's a doctor. Without even taking the step further to say, what are the likelihood that this person stands to gain um, by posing as a medical doctor? For example, many of them, at the end of the day, will come together uh, and say, oh, they have this medication that is specially prepared. If they're interested, send, send, send your uh, send a message or call them on this number. And they begin to charge people exorbitant amounts of money, mm. asking them to pay for the treatments. And people, maybe sometimes they don't even have the resources for that. They go as far as borrowing money to actually be able to buy these products. And then they buy it. And if it doesn't work, you see some of these people come back and say, oh, that is the first dosage. You still have to buy uh, an extra set. one before mm. it gets mm. results. So mm. people end up spending a lot of money when they could get uh, these conditions managed in the hospital for less amount of money. So I think people should understand that there are some people online, many people online, who put false information, especially around health, stand to gain something. That is why they come online to um, build, they, can, they kind of give you certain tips and then they build uh, that trust with people. And then before you know it, they start to introduce different kinds of things, asking people to pay for them, to buy them and promising things that are uh, very unrealistic. Mm. And uh, this, mm. this particular thing was, was, is a vivid example of something that is unrealistic because uh, experts have come out to say these conditions for now, uh, we have not found a cure for it. But there are medications that we can uh, give to, to you that to can manage. help you live a normal life. Mm. Do you understand? Yeah, so yeah, people should, uh, should not take uh, people's word for it when, when they can go a step further to say, oh, let's even verify this. But if you say you're a doctor, you probably are working in one hospital or you've worked in one hospital before now. And, you know, we can, we can verify that, yes, you're actually who you are claiming to be. Mm, mm. So, so when they say knowledge is power, I mean it's absolutely true. Yes. All right. So, uh, tell us what what is up with Africa Check at this time, particularly we are in election period. Yes. Um. We we are we are working around the clock to ensure that people have um you know verified information before the presidential elections. We are done um like an analysis of the type of misinformation that. 
people could see on election day. And we wrote about it on our website and how to tackle this misinformation when you see them. And in fact, I can tell you categorically that we saw an example of each of these things that we actually, uh, you know, mm. wrote about before the election happened during the election. So we are still working uh, as the governorship elections will be coming up uh, next week. We are working uh, round the clock to ensure that people have access to verified information and in fact they do not share information that could cause panic or you know can cause unrest in society. So if you have any information you want us to check either during the lectures about health, about education, economy, anything at all, um, you can send it to us on WhatsApp on our WhatsApp line 090 Let's take that That's again. Let's say that again. Okay. 090-8377-7789. You can also go to our website to read um, all the reports that we did during the uh, presidential elections because some of them might come up again, you know, um, during the governorship elections, so oh, we have a lot of resources. How you can tackle misinformation, check videos and photos yourself to verify if there are claims, uh, uh, if claims that there are uh, situations currently happening, especially during the elections, are correct. So you can go on our website at africacheck.org. Then we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at africacheck underscore ng. Thank you very much. I would like to thank Catherine Adeniu for your time on the program this morning and appreciate Africa Check for all that you have been doing for us. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me today. I wish you all the best. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Yeah. All right. That was Catherine Adeniu from Africa Check. You know, talking to us about a particular story. I mean, it was rated false. It says uh, that uh, onions, bitter leaf, and onion mix won't cure type 1 and 2 diabetes. So you have to know that and know it for good because it will help you to combat such a kind of uh, a trouble for yourself. We have to round off right now, uh, but I'll round off with this news. FG Ricks in. 1.4 trillion naira all revenue in February and external results fell by 317 million in February according to CBN. AFCFTA boosts intra-African trade by 20% and AON seeks government protection from predatory foreign airlines. These are some highlight of stories you can take a look at in the news today. I thank you for being part of this conversation and I hope that you will join me next week Friday when we pick up another great theme concerning our livelihood, particularly as it relates to the economy. Have a wonderful weekend and please do not involve in violence. Good morning. It's Splash 105.5. Splash 105.5. Tune in and listen everywhere you go. This is what goodness tastes like. Golden caramel, creamy buttermint, and rich coffee. There's a Cadbury candy for every moment.
Introducing Capri Caramel Candy, Capri Coffee, and your favorite Capri Bottomant Candies. Now there's lots more to share and enjoy. Oh yeah, it's a Capri Candy for every moment. The Giants are here and now. Watch as the powerhouses on the biggest roof battle for the fame, the glory, and $100,000. It's intrigue, it's romance, gossips, and the big drama. It's 24-7 Niger and Saudi sets to take over your screen. Tune in to Big Brother Titans, showing on DSTV 198 and Africa Magic. Get DSTV and download my DSTV app to reconnect today. Big Brother Titans is rated 18. Headline sponsored, Bamboo, Flutterway, and Lotus Star. <laughs> hey, Omo, um, see package. This is what I call full house. Yes, sir, that's me. I full huh? Who's talking about you? I'm talking about this peak yogurt drink full house pack in your hand. Introducing the peak yogurt drink one liter full house pack with more refreshment, which contains fresh cow milk. Cheer and enjoy full house goodness filled with essential vitamins and minerals. Give me my Peak Yogurt Drink Full House Pack. Avi, is this your own? <laughs> peak. Reach for your peak. We educate. That's why we are respected. We inform. That's why we are loved. More music. We are the best. The Integrity Station. Splash. 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 105.5. Baby. With happiness. No radio does it better. Splash FM. 